Welcome to the Lancet Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn, speaking to you from the Lancet's New York office. It's been a year since the Sustainable Development Goals were formally launched at the United Nations General Assembly, and the Lancet is publishing a new analysis which aims to benchmark the assessment of health indicators of the SDGs using data from the Global Burden of Disease Program. I'm joined today by Professor Steve Lim at the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington in Seattle to discuss the goals for the SDGs and what we can expect going forward. Dr. Lim, can we begin by outlining how the new era of sustainable development goals to 2030 will differ from previous Millennium Development Goals, which ran from 2000 to 2015? The sustainable development goals include 17 goals, 169 targets, and 230 indicators. So many more indicators than were included in the Millennium Development Goals. In terms of health, they represent pretty large expansion from areas focused primarily around maternal child health and and infectious diseases, so including a broader range of health areas from environmental health and particularly non-communicable disease. The Sustainable Development Goals are broader in scope than the Millennium Development Goals were. How do they specifically relate to health? The expansion of the Sustainable Development Goals includes specific indicators around non-communicable disease mortality. They also include indicators that capture NCD risk factors such as tobacco and alcohol. Uh, And then they also include a a broader range of indicators, particularly around violence, so including um, measures around interpersonal violence, intimate partner violence, collective violence. And then they also include a number of indicators that capture things like suicide mortality and broader environmental factors. There has been a lot of criticism already about the apparent vagueness in the details of the Sustainable Development Goals and how difficult it will be to measure progress. How does the global burden of disease approach, that being the data set that is the foundation of the analysis, represent an opportunity to measure Sustainable Development Goal progress? So the global burden of disease study, and in this particular situation, the 2015 version of that study, helps to provide measurements for 33 out of 46 of the health-related indicators. So we capture a pretty large fraction of indicators for health. And what we are planning on doing in future years is also to expand out our measurement work to encompass the remaining 13 indicators that aren't included there. Our hope is that by providing these measurements, we can help to contribute to, to creating a culture of accountability, and also then to help guide development agendas. Focusing on the analysis in this new Lancet study, which uses data from the GBD 2015, as you mentioned, can you please outline in broad terms the statistical methods you have applied to the global burden of disease data to assess progress on the Sustainable Development Goals health outcomes in the pre-SDG era from 2000 to 2015? What we've done in this analysis is to take the results from the Global Burden of Disease study, and for each of the health-related SDG indicators, we scale each of those indicators from 0 to 100 scale, where 0 represents the worst observed over the 1990 to 2015 period, and 100 represents the best observed over the 1990 to 2015 period, and to help give a sense of overall progress on the health-related SDGs. We've then created an overall health-related SDG index, which is simply the geometric mean of each of the rescaled indicators. By taking the geometric mean, what that allows for is what we call partial substitutability, where poor performance on one indicator is partly compensated by good performance on another indicator. 
So what have been your top line findings? Overall, there have been global health improvements in the period between 2000 and 2015, but huge disparities still exist, especially in relation to income, education, and fertility? Yeah, we have the high-level findings are on one hand, we see very good progress, particularly on the health-related indicators that were previously MDG indicators. So these include indicators such as child and neonatal mortality, met needs for modern contraception, maternal mortality, for example. So great progress generally in, in those indicators. Those gains will need to be sustained, however, and in a number of cases actually considerably accelerated to achieve some of the ambitious SDG targets. So the one we highlight in particular in the paper is the, the very ambitious goal around HIV, TB, malaria, and, and hepatitis, which call for an, an end of those epidemics. We've seen relatively modest declines in those indicators, particularly for HIV and TB. So that's one side on the, on the MDG era. Then on the indicators that are essentially additions to the MDG era, we generally see smaller improvements in those indicators and in some cases a worsening. So the high profile example is the childhood overweight, which generally has gotten worse between 2000 and 2015 across most countries. Uh, and what this highlights is the challenge that lies ahead, the additional resources that will be needed to address the new indicators that represent the expanded scope of the, the SDGs. The, the third main finding is across the, the GBD studies, what we have done is to relate measures of income, fertility, and education against health indicators. And what we see in the SDG analysis is generally a strong relationship between income, education, and fertility for the MDG indicators, so indicators such as maternal mortality, child and neonatal mortality. So this emphasizes the importance of income and education and fertility in terms of meeting the health-related SDGs. And I, I think importantly also highlights the interrelatedness between the SDGs. So in other words, investments in goal four, which is education, and goal one, which is no poverty, would have downstream effect on goal three, which is the, the health goal. But what we also see in our analysis is also weaker relationships between income, education, and fertility for a number of the newer uh, health-related SDG indicators, so including indicators such as violence. And what that highlights, of course, is that investments in income, education, and fertility alone will not be sufficient to, to meet the expanded scope of the SDGs. What are the countries that have made the most progress doing that can help other countries improve on their health indicators? So in our SDG paper, what we have done is to highlight five countries stratified by quintiles of income, education, and fertility that were the largest improvers between 2000 and 2015 on the overall SDG index. They were Timor-Leste in the lowest income, education, and fertility quintile, Tajikistan in the next quintile, Colombia in the middle quintile, Taiwan in the next highest quintile, and then Iceland in the top quintile. And what we hope is that, in general, our measurements can be used for identifying case studies where we can further investigate and then help to inform development agendas for the SDG era. So in other words, by trying to understand what have been the major policy decisions or changes that have occurred in those countries which have seen the largest improvement.
What about the implications of what you found out from the health indicators from 2000 to 2015 that were outside of the Millennium Development Goal Framework? I think the main implications around the changes between 2000 and 2015 for the non-MDG indicators, primarily that we've seen less progress on the new indicators, which really highlights the challenge facing countries and the development community to accelerate progress on those. How will this report be used in future assessment of sustainable development goal progress? And is this a baseline or a starting point for the SDG measurement that will be fined over time? Yes. So we see this as the first iteration of several over the next 15 years. So this represents our starting point. So it provides measurements for 2015. What we plan to do in future iterations is both to expand and refine the measurements of health-related indicators. But in the next round, what we will also do is to leverage some of the work we've been undertaking to forecast health-related indicators to provide assessments of whether or not countries are on track to meet the SDGs. How collaborative is this work? Extremely so. So the Global Burden of Disease Study represents around 1,700 collaborators from 125 countries. So it's a very large collaborative effort and importantly one that is also independent, a a very large collaborative effort to, to pull together the results that represent this work. Well, Dr. Lim, thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you very much.